This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Anif Baharudin and this is GG Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. We're introducing a new monthly segment featuring our friends from kakochopore.com. In this monthly episode, we're going to round up some of the biggest news from the month as well as look at some of the games that were released throughout. Kakochopore's Jonathan Leo joins us for the January roundup and we're going to start by looking at the biggest news of the month, Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, which we covered in last week's episode. Yeah, we covered it. Uh, but then we can just mention it a little bit, like the Activision Blizzard buyout by Xbox with some games probably going exclusive to Xbox PC by the time the deal gets signed and everything, probably Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4. But I can bring up another Blizzard piece of news that came out about a couple of days ago. Uh, it's also a big thing for the month where Blizzard announced a new survival game, which is basically just called Untitled Survival Game. They haven't created a title for it, Apparently, the title has been in the works for five years. And a lot of the people inside Blizzard, like Mike Ibarra, the CEO, and every everyone of the higher-ups seem to actually think that this could be the next big thing from the company. And unlike other Blizzard titles, this has nothing to do with Overwatch. It has nothing to do with Diablo and World of Warcraft and StarCraft. It's like an entirely new IP that they're making here. Like new characters, new world, new lore, new setting, and whatnot. And the teaser picture they showed off is basically a hunter in, I think he's wearing a cloak and a bone mask and it's in the forest. So the survival thing is there, lah, basically. The perspective and everything and how it's going to be a survival game and whether it'll have co-op or multiplayer or online features, we don't know. So that's all up in the air. So that's pretty much it. So what do you think about that piece of news, uh, Hanif? Mm, that's pretty interesting. Um, Wait, knowing, knowing Blizzard, will it be a... PC first game or like do you think that they're gonna I, I guess make it for Xbox as well? Uh, definitely a PC only game PC first kind of game because they've been doing this for like a lot of their titles in Diablo 3 and World of Warcraft but these days I've noticed some of their titles are multi-platform so maybe this could be like the first title where it's fully multi-platform like for other consoles and other platforms. Do you think that the deal will also affect um, that decision I mean well I mean considering that I think they announced it right after the, the acquisition right usually the porting process and whatnot will be happening let's say let's say the five year process was true it'll probably be at the fifth year where it's decided the Xbox Blizzard deal did have probably happen like months before leading up to the official announcement so odds are it's gonna be an Xbox and PC exclusive or at the very least a PC exclusive or a PC early access has as how these games go. If, because if it's going to be an online game, you're going to have a lot of bugs to work out. So an early access program would work out really well to perfect the game for a future release in the next few months or even the next year. So an early access PC thing looks more realistic for this untitled survival game from Blizzard. Yeah, I'm quite curious considering, like you said, I mean, Blizzard don't really come up with new IP, you know, all that often, right? So um, I, I would like to see them try something a bit more different compared to the kind of games that they've been releasing like maybe a single player action adventure game survival action adventure game if that's yeah sense, you know come and think of it the only big ip they released was back in 2016 and that was overwatch and that has lasted for quite a while because people are still playing it up this day i mean not in huge droves compared to now compared to back then but still you got the leagues happening you got the 
online tournaments still happening and multiplayer still going on. So, and then you got part two probably coming out next year or the year after. So yeah, it's you know I think these kind of uh, processes from Blizzard, they want to make sure that whatever IP comes out sticks for the next five, six, seven years. I mean, for comparison's sake, Diablo three lasted from two thousand thirteen till now because of the season play and the expansions. So I think that's like what. 30, 2013, 2021, that's like what? Close to 10 years? My math is terrible, by the way, so it's accounted for me. So 10 years or so until Diablo 4 makes its way. Mm. And let's not forget, I think StarCraft 2, a lot of people are still playing StarCraft 2 when we are another, right? Not as hugely as back then, but yeah, it's people are still going to that game for their RTS fix because that's kind of a dead genre right now. I mean, in terms of like popularity and esportsness. Yeah, but Blizzard, I think judging by their, the way they do things, I think their style is to yeah make a franchise or make a game that lasts for years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And StarCraft had a good run. StarCraft 2, StarCraft 1, Diablo 3, Diablo 2. Yeah, the list goes on. They had a very good run. I mean, I guess the longest is probably World of Warcraft. That's like the longest. It's like two, it's like five marathons, I think, or 10 marathons. Yeah. From one popular game to another less popular game, I think uh, I've heard the news of Hyperscape, you know, shutting down. Uh, I guess they're going to stop supporting Hyperscape, uh, a Battle Royale game from Ubisoft. Wait, wait, sorry. What's Hyperscape again? Could you refresh <laughs> my memory? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's this one Battle Royale game from Ubisoft that's meant to challenge all the other Battle Royale games that we have oh, in the market, okay, right? okay, the one <laughs> with the really low Twitch uh, viewership and the little to no marketing going on. And I think yeah. the only thing I remember from that is there was actually a Malay hijab-wearing character in the game as a character, but that's it. That's all I remember. Mm. There's some representation, but that's it. And then no one cared about it. I think there were other games that came out like Riders Republic, Assassin's Creed, leading up to Rainbow Six. I think people are still playing Rainbow Six Siege as we speak. That's like the only big thing that Ubisoft has. And also there's Extraction, the hype tool for that. But it's mostly Rainbow Six Siege. That was like the only competitive first-person shooter they have that people are still caring about to this day. Yeah. But what's the successful formula for a good battle royale? Considering that, I mean, yes, we have the pioneers, you know, quote-unquote pioneers. You know, you have PUBG, you have Fortnite, and then you have games like um, Apex Legends. Yeah, Apex Legends came a bit later but managed to survive. I guess there are two ways to go around it. One is you have to be a really established developer who knows how to make shooters like Call of, like the Call of Duty team, Infinity Ward, Sledgehammer, and Raven, I believe, are working on Warzone. And uh, what was the other one? Uh, Apex Legends Respawn. They did Titanfall. So they are really good at first-person shooters, definitely. And these are and the company is run by ex-Call of Duty people. So they're really good shooters. If Microsoft were to do a Halo Infinite Battle Royale thing, that will definitely work because they are already established in the shooter genre. Another way to, to do be successful is basically copy PUBG and, uh, and Fortnite, which is what Free Fire is doing right now. I'm not sure if you know what Free Fire is, but they're basically a company that copied the PUBG formula and they are doing really well. I think the game has a bunch of tie-ins with some movies here and there, like Spider-Man. And they are still, I think they're still going through a lawsuit as we speak. I think it just happened about this month, but yeah, those are two surefire ways to make a successful battle royale. Mm. Um, other than that, do you have any other big news worth, I guess, talking about for, for, for the I month? I guess I could list down like bullet points if that's cool with you. 
Okay, uh, one of them is a Take-Two Interactive bot Zynga for 12.7 billion USD. Obviously not the biggest buyout since, you know, Activision Blizzard that happened this year. But you could say it's still significant because Zynga has been the company that's been making your mother's Facebook games. So yeah, there is some history there. I think Take-Two just won a piece of that pie with the words of friends and uh, Farmville, right? Yeah, Farmville. Uh, another good buyout is uh, Tencent buying Sumo Group for US $1.3 So Sumo Group are known for having a bunch of developers under them. One of the most prominent ones is Sumo Digital, who are renowned for making a couple of racing games like uh, the Sonic All-Star Racing titles for Sega and also co-developing the Forza Horizon titles with Playground. So that's a bit of significant news for some people. So if Tencent wants to actually have an actual car game they want to make that's like a free-to-play kind of racing game i think buying a company that knows how to make racing games would be a good start i guess we could also bring up a particular piece of news that happened in uh, with the italian government if that's okay and that's that's about uh that's basically about okay so during a congressional uh, i think it was like a government like a early year senate hearing while the italian government were introducing all this nobel Peace prize folks and its hits Someone hacked into the Zoom call and actually purposely played a, f- I would say, a, a very naughty film, a, fan, a very naughty film of Tifa getting it on with, a char- with an unnamed character. So Tifa is actually a character for Final Fantasy VII and the film in question is definitely not canon to the, to the show itself. So after a lot of fumbling, I think it, the fumbling and the disconnection happened for about, I think, less than a minute. And then another hacker came into the Zoom call and proceeded to play another naughty film of a Genshin Impact character named Xiang Ling, also getting it on with a nameless character. And yes, this is basically like a two-for-one kind of deal lah, that happened. Some people actually disrupted the Italian Senate meeting just to troll them for fun. And I think hours after that, a lot of people are proclaiming Tifa as like the... Miss Italy of 2022, I guess. A lot of jokes were popping up on Twitter and on Reddit, basically declaring Tifa as a national uh, Italian hero because of that uh, joke that happened. It's not good to actually go around disrupting these sort of things, but at the same time, it's kind of funny when you think about it. So. <laughs> okay. uh, let's see. I think other mm. pieces of news is uh, Dying Light 2. Um, apparently, there was a bit of a marketing campaign that happened a couple of weeks ago where the company Techland bragged that the game was about 500 hours long to complete. So after a lot of backlash during that week, I think it happened mere minutes and hours, then uh, Techland actually followed up with another tweet clarifying that the game only takes 20 hours to beat for the story mode. And the 500 hours is to actually complete it 100%, going through the game's various story modes and story choices, talking to each character, collecting all the different um, tapes and whatnot in the place itself, and exploring every nook and cranny in Dying Light 2 100%. So yeah, it kind of says a lot about, I don't think bragging about your game's length is the way to go. I mean, what do you think, honestly, for your side? Yeah, that's the thing. I was just, I was just about to ask you the same question, to be honest. I don't, I don't know. I think some people, especially, I think we've spoken about this before, right? Where I think some people want to get more value for their money. And when they hear things like this, they'll probably be like, oh, okay, yeah, the game that will take me 500 hours to finish might be, I guess, worth bang for the buck, I suppose, for some people. Because replayability is also, is also a big deal to some. Yeah, in comparison, I told you about Shin Megami Tensei V. So yeah, that game took me about 70 hours to complete. 
But to get to the other extra endings, I only need to spend like five hours each. And there are like four different endings, if I recall. I guess uh, that's like, what, 120 hours total? For In comparison, that's like, what, three, four Shin Megami Tensei 5s when you compare it to Dying Light 2's supposed 500-hour playthroughs. And that's very tiring, dude. <laughs> very, very tiring. Yeah, and I agree with you. Sometimes I don't think I don't think selling it that way is the way forward either. Because you know, if they, your game is terrible, like even if it's like you know, if even if it's like you can have like a five hour length of like playtime, people won't want to like spend that that much time to play, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, I get it. You have, if you want to spend sixty US on a game, you kind of want to get the most out of it. But sometimes there's something as a little bit too much of something. Whereas I feel that a good length it doesn't really matter as long as the 8 hours or the 20 hours you spent was really good and worth it. Then it's worth 60 US for you. Or worth your 60 or worth your 20 US if you're into the indie game scene. So it really is subjective and you got to trust reviews on how they gauge it, whether a game that they suffered through for 20 hours is worth the suffering or not. Right? It's really up to you. But at the same time, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is that's pretty much a bad call and I think Techland is purposely just doing this just to get people riled up because, you know, that's how marketing is. You want to get buzz for your game, whether it's good or bad. Like, bad publicity is still good publicity, right? That was Jonathan Leo from kakuchopere.com summarizing some of the biggest news from this month. We're going to make way for some messages after this, some of the games that were released in the month of January and upcoming releases next month. Stay tuned. This is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to GG Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Jonathan Leo from kakuchopore.com joins me on our new monthly episode where we summarize some of the biggest news and releases of the month. We've covered some news in the first part of the show, so now we're going to take a look at some of the more interesting releases from this month, starting with Ubisoft's latest shooter from the Tom Clancy series, Rainbow Six Extraction. It wasn't fresh because I feel that Ubisoft kind of wanted to make a... They had this idea for a game and then because they want to recoup costs, they made... They decided to just pack it up and made, make a Rainbow Six Extraction out of it. So for those who don't know, Rainbow Six Extraction is a co-op PvE game where you and two other players, uh, two other operators, have to team up to complete a bunch of missions in a parasite-infested bunch of areas. So... In the real world, apparently in the Tom Clancy universe, a bunch of aliens from underground popped up and infected the whole of New York. So it's up to you to figure out what's happening under this group called React. Uh, it's a, it, it stands for something I totally forgot. That's how memorable the game is. But generally, you team up. Your characters have different sets of skills and you complete a bunch of missions. So they're like, in one level, there are three sections. You can choose to complete just one section or two or three of them or all of them. Of course, when you complete all of them, you get the most rewards. But if your character gets captured and if everyone all dies in the mission, they all become MIA and you have to pick different characters in your roster. But don't worry, um, if you're, gonna, you're not going to be in a situation where you run out of characters to pick. Because I think you go have like, what, uh, 12 operators to start with. So if you're really terrible at the game, they'll go back to the last known operator you were using in case you lose the first 11 lah. But generally, yeah, it's a fun co-op game because of how it controls and how it plays but it's not going to set anybody's mind on fire. Although I am actually okay with the fact that the game only costs about 40 US. Like, it's like uh, the price you pay for Overwatch when it first came out. 
if you like PvE games, if you know friends who do want to team up and play shooters with that has the Rainbow Six style mechanics of barricading the doors, fighting aliens, and using different weapons here and there and different skills a la Overwatch, this might be the game for you. But if you want something a bit more creative and a bit more exciting, let's talk about the next game, which is uh, Nobody Saves the World. Uh, have you played that? Not yet, not yet. <laughs> Tell me more about it, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, so Nobody Saves the World is from a developer named Drinkbox Studios who are known for making the Guacamelee series, a bunch of really good search action Metroidvania titles. Nobody Saves the World is about... A, it's an action RPG with Zelda-like controls where you play a naked white guy. It's, it's done for comical effect, mind you. Uh, who has the power to transform into different monsters and warriors through the magic wand he stole at the start of the game. So it's really up to you to save the world. Lah. So and to do that, you have to complete quests, open up dungeons. Okay, to you have to actually collect keys to open up story dungeons. And to open up these story dungeons, you have to complete different quests. So these quests will pop up whenever you unlock your different characters you get to transform into. And whenever you talk to different townsfolk, they'll give you a bunch of quests. And it feels like an achievement hunting kind of, kind of game. Now, the biggest difference when you compare it to other titles of that, that kind of genre is the quests can be completed anywhere on the map. So whether you're in the swamp, you're in the castle, or you're in the open field, you can complete the quests that as is anytime. Like, uh, one quest requires you to be a horse and use a specific move about 30, 40 times. You can do that anywhere you want as long as you do the move with the horse. And you got different forms here and there. Like, you can be like a a guard, you can be an, an archer, and you can be the aforementioned horse, you can be a rat. Uh, the rat's actually pretty cool to use, uh, despite it being small and weak. It's like super fast to control, it's got like a, you don't actually have to stop the move and attack, you don't have to stop to attack, which is pretty cool, you can move and attack, so there's going to be a lot of like kiting and uh, leading away strategies you got to use, because the enemies come in different hordes here and there. And you need to actually switch around to different forms here and there, because their enemies in the game have barriers and you have to use a specific, a specific type of weapon uh, weapon type to break down the barrier to defeat them. So you've got like what? You've got sharp, you've got blunt, you've got light and dark uh, type weapons. So uh, one, one class called the strongman, he has the blunt attack, whereas the rat has like the dark attack. So some enemies have like the blunt and dark shield. So if you use any other attack, it won't work. So you have to use Blunt and Dark to break down the shield and then kill them. So that's where you can get all the quests and you get all the different missions here and there to complete. Because when you level up your classes, you go you open up other tiers of jobs and classes ranging from turtles to mermaids to even the dragon at the end. So you get more and more powerful uh, as you play through the game. I think this game is about like uh, 18 to 15 hours long depending on how how much you want to spend time with. But yeah, it's a really fun time because the controls are great. The art style is really fun. Nice, catchy music. And you get a lot of quests you get to complete here and there. Some little bits of humor pepping up here and there. But I think you're mostly playing it because of the action and the leveling up and the achievement hunting thing that the game has going on. Does that sound like something you want to play? Definitely, definitely. Something that I would like to check out as well. Something different from what I usually play. Is the game difficult? Difficult? It's it really depends because uh, you have, you as you level up more and more you actually get to overpower most of the enemies here and there but 
generally most of the dungeons do start out like at a slightly higher level, but that kind of incentivizes you to explore the entire map here and there to, and open up new areas using the different forms. Like for example, you there are some areas that are covered by bodies of water. You cannot actually traverse it unless you have a ghost form or a mermaid or a turtle form. So you need to actually unlock these forms by doing all the other quests on the different dungeons that are available in the game. And there's a plethora of them and a plethora of quests that you can unlock and, you know, open up like different skills here and there for your classes and your forms. And the best part is, let's just say you unlock a particular form for the turtle. You kind of want to use this water sprout move. You can actually use that, take that skill and put it on another form, like on the guard or on the horse. So you can have like a horse that spits out water to, you know, deal with enemies from far away. So you can mix and match. That's also the one cool thing about Nobody Saves the World. You get all these customizable options for you to mix and match to create the perfect um, Uber character you want to use in the game. Wow, okay, sounds very exciting. I'll definitely have to check that out. Um, other than that, there's also Windjammers too. Oh, yes, that is really awesome, yes. So imagine a sports game where it's top-down, it's 2D, and you're basically playing an exciting version of tennis and pong mixed together. So Windjammers, the objective of the game is to score the most points in two sets. And to do that, you have to throw your flying power disc. Uh, it's a frisbee, but we call it flying power disc because of trademark issues to the opponent's goal. And the opponent has to do the same. So you reach 15 points and above, you win. So the cool thing about this is you get to throw the disc around and you get to do your power shots to confuse your opponent. like to, And then you get to do lobs where you know you want to throw off the opponent's timing. So you throw a bunch of fast shots and then when you get back the disc, you throw a slow one just to throw them off. And there's also a really cool move where if the ball is up in the air or if, if it's being tossed... You get to catch the disc and then you do like a badminton spike, which is like a fast way to get points. It's super fast, but you get like two or four points depending on which court you're at. So you've got many different strategies on how to outwit your opponent here and there. And you've got different characters who are... Like you got like... They have, they have powerful shots, but they run really... They, they walk really slow. You've got characters who run really fast, but their dashes are really quick and short. And their power shots aren't as powerful when you compare it to the heavy hitters here and there. And you've got like 10 characters to pick. And that's really a big roster for a sports game. Um, anything else? You've got different courts. Uh, different uh, tarmacs and courts. Like you've got the beach, which is narrow. You've got like the arena, which is very wide. So you can do like a bunch of like, you know, like uh, zigzag shots here and there. But you've got more ground to cover lah, because, you know, your arena is wide, right? On your side of the goal. And uh, yeah, and you can, and then when your opponent throws the disc back at you, you get to either parry it, you know, like do like a fast slap shot, or do a lob that actually hits closer to the net. So if your opponent is defending at the back, it'll be hard for him to actually dash forward to catch the ball, the the, the disc, the disc. I keep saying ball for some reason, but yeah, the disc. And when you get, when you actually are receiving the disc, when you time your button presses just right, you get to do a flip, where it goes up in the air and lands to the ground with a crosshair. When you're under the crosshair, you can basically charge up and do a power shot. And different power shots basically means like, they're different for different characters where the shots go in a zigzag, they go like uh, different patterns, like it hits a wall and then hits the other side of the wall and clings onto it. Or it goes through like a loop-de-loop for certain characters. So you've got like, and then the best part is if an opponent throws that super shot to you, if you time your presses just right, you can 
catch it and throw it back to his face. The same shot back to him. So there are many, many opportunities of counterattacks and parries. Kind of almost like a fighting game when you think about it. So it's like a sports game that plays a bit like a fighting game. But generally, it's a game you can actually enter in and play for fun. Like, you know, scoring points here and there. So I would highly suggest you check it out. And plus, the online play is also really awesome too because it's running on rollback netcode. So you can play with people in France and America and Japan and you get the same kind of connection, like the fast connection. So Windjammers 2 is my highly recommended game of this month because of the competitive kind of nature and the fast-paced action of the title. Yeah, it looks like a game that you can just play for a bit and then, you know, just leave, right? Yeah, it's a lovely pick-up-and-play game. Like, it's like one-on-one. It's like, if you know how to play Pong, you can play Windjammers. But of course, it, it gets deeper <laughs> if you want to play at a very, very high level. Yeah, the art style is also quite unique. Anime-like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, All done by .mu. Uh, I believe they got that clear-cut kind of style they use that's similar to .mu's past titles like Streets of Rage 4 and the Wonder Boy remix. So it's got that clean kind of style, but not quite. So it's really cool. It actually fits. And the animation's spot on and the fighting and the combat. I mean, the, the sports the, the sports action is really top-notch. Mm. There's also another game that was just released, but it was I think it's a bit too soon to talk about how the game is. Like I think Pokemon Legends, Arceus, yeah. Ah, yes. Uh, that is apparently a different style of Pokemon game where you're sort of like in an open world ish kind of place like in, like in one of those open world RPGs like Tales of Arise and combat is slightly turn based when you throw your monsters onto like bosses boss creatures and other wild Pokemon but beyond that you're still collecting monsters and the story is set in uh, basically before like Pokemon Yellow happened so it's like ancient times where they start where they're starting to build the tech for Pokeballs and the Pokedex so it's an interesting spin on things, so, and I applaud Game Freak for doing something new. And that's all I can say because I haven't actually played the game yet. But we'll have a review for that coming out in the next week or so. Okay, that's great. Looking forward to it. Um, let's talk about what's going to be, I guess, released next month. And I think we have a lot of games, right? I mean, a lot of big games, but also other games as well, right? I could read the list down for you. So we're, from the beginning to the end of the month, we have... Dying Light 2, Oli Oli World, Sifu, Lost Ark, if you have a VPN to play a US version of it, The King of Fighters 15, Total War Warhammer 3, Horizon Forbidden West, Desi 2 The Witch Queen, Monarch, and a JRPG from ex-Persona developers, Soul Cresta from Platinum Games, Atelier Sophie 2, the Japanese version, Elden Ring, and Great Legends, which was announced, I think, a few a week ago. Uh, the They came out footage for that racing game about, I think it was this this week. A lot of everything there, if you think about it, right? <laughs> Obviously, we have to talk about the bigger ones, but even the smaller ones are quite exciting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which games are you looking forward to, like, among this big list? Well, obviously for me, it's Horizon Forbidden West and also Elden Ring. But um, Sifu is also something that I'm, I've been keeping my eye on. And that's also, yeah, I think Sifu is also... The I guess the sleeper hit that I'm going to be looking forward to for this coming month. All these titles sound really awesome, but I'm very curious about how Lost Ark would work if I was playing it in Malaysia through the US servers. Because it's, I don't know, I was kind of hoping that action RPG, because it came out in Korea about two years ago, and it, it is going to be in the US this year. So I kind of wish that it would come out in Southeast Asia in the near future. 
But we'll see, we'll see. Because I'm kind of hankering for an action RPG that isn't Diablo 3. Because as much as I love that game, I kind of want to play something new. Lah, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about Horizon Forbidden West and also Elden Ring. I mean, ob- the obvious big names, uh, big games that are going to be released in, in the coming month. I understand that you already have you know access to at least Horizon Forbidden West. Yep, yep. And we really can't talk about it until like uh, middle of the month, middle of February. As for Elden Ring, yeah, we're probably going to check it out in a couple of days or so. And I think based on what people have been talking about in the beta, it's basically Dark Souls 4 with a horse. But you know what? That's fine by me because I would like to be challenged. I would like to actually play a JRPG where it's action-based. You've got epic bosses to fight that going to make you figure out figure out how to beat it in an hour or so and an open world for you to check out and, you know, dungeons with creative traps and whatnot. And the best part is, Hidetaki Miyazaki, the developer, mentioned that the game's online features where you can have multiple people coming to your game and helping you out is a bit more expanded to the point where he's very confident that people are going to complete Elden Ring more than all three Dark Souls games combined. Oh, okay, wow. But but I, I, I just want to clarify something. Will this game be as difficult as Dark Souls? Oh yeah, 100%. It's going to be just as difficult and tricky and messy. And I suspect the Dark Souls jank is going to be in this game, 100%. But at the same time, I it's nice to actually have something new. Lah. You know, something, a new world, a new landscape. Kind of like um, Norse-influenced kind of monsters and weird sad creatures to fight, which is pretty cool. I mean, in the trailer, I saw like a giant turtle thing of a building on top. I kind of, I'm kind of hoping that's actually a dungeon you get to explore and then the boss is the, is the turtle itself. So that'll be kind of cool to fight. Mm, I, I know I know Dark Souls, the, I mean, the genre has its own fans, but at the same time, I'm also a bit, you know, as someone who's never played any Dark Souls game, I'm a bit wary of the difficulty. Like, do you think that it'll be something accessible for newcomers? Accessible as in you will get your Sarah kicked um, pretty fast. Yeah, you still will, but it's a learning process. And once you get the hang of like the first few dungeons and maybe like a couple of bosses, then you know what you're getting into. I mean, a game like Dark Souls and Elder Ring, they're meant to be like, yeah, here's the level, here's the challenge level, figure out on your own. So it's those kind of games where you either persevere through it and try to finish it or... Just don't buy it. So I guess, look, I know, I've, I mean, Elden Ring isn't even out yet, but generally, if it's anything like Dark Souls, if you know what you're getting into, go ahead. If not, maybe just wait for it to be on sale. Mm, okay, yeah, I think that's a good tip considering that I think like, more casual gamers might not necessarily like the difficulty level. I mean, a game like Elden Ring is not meant to change your mind. If you're into a challenging action RPG, go ahead. If not, just play something else. No one's going to judge you for that. <laughs> Story-wise, do you think that with George R. R. Martin being involved in the game, do you think that it'll be different from Dark Souls? Uh, it'll probably be about the same, if I'm being honest. I think George R. R. Martin did basically just write some stuff on the tapestry and Hidetaki Miyazaki and his team basically built a game around that. That's it. So whatever involvement George R. R. Martin has is probably minimal at best, unless I play the game for myself and see what's going on. Beyond that, it's anybody's guess. I'm guessing uh, From Software are doing 90% of the work. George R. R. Martin, I think it's probably 1% for all you know. <laughs> Alright. Okay, interesting take. Uh, so apart from uh, Elden Ring and Lost Ark, what are the games that you're looking forward to personally? Uh, well, Horizon Forbidden West, that's going to be pretty cool. 
uh, because I actually had fun playing uh, Zero Dawn, uh, fighting giant birds, robot birds and robot dinosaurs while going through like a pretty interesting, exotic, yet dangerous world. So I'm hoping to get just more of that and then with some swimming levels, um, some creative uses of the game's version of the Deku Leaf from Zelda and grappling hook action and whatnot. I mean, as long as I get new tools to explore the game, yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, just, you know, present me with a pretty nice, expensive place to check out. That's it. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West does not have to change a lot. You just have to change like a few things. I believe melee combat's probably the most the most requested change they want. I think they, I think a lot of fans wanted mini combat to be better this time around. So hopefully that's changed. Yeah, all right. Um, last but not least, I think, I mean, it's not game-related, but it's hardware-related. If I'm not mistaken, Steam Deck will finally be released in February, right? And at the end of February as well? In the US and probably Europe, but I'm not sure when it's going to be out in Malaysia. Short of great importing the thing... I don't know if it's going to have a local release just as of yet. So there might be news down the line, uh, probably middle or end of this year. But for now, if you want to get a Steam Deck in a hurry, you're going to have to pay a bit more for shipping costs. Let's just say that. Yeah. Do you think that it'll officially come here? <laughs> Ever? Officially, yes. But not anytime soon. Uh, definitely not on February. Probably the end of the year. We'll see. It really depends on the local distributors for Steam here which I believe is Orange, if I'm not mistaken, or it could be a different company. You're tuned in to GG Well Played, and that was Jonathan Leo, content director at kakuchopore.com, and we've been summarizing some of the biggest news and releases from the month of January. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play, and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Barudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. Happy Chinese New Year and this has been GG Well Played. This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.